2: Welcome into the OutKick Podcast. Hope all of you are having fantastic Wednesdays wherever across the country you may be. We got a loaded show for you. John Campbell swings by to talk some gambling. We got John Morosi. He's in St. Louis where the Blues advanced to their first Stanley Cup final since 1970. What do we think of the big Raptors win? How will we handle it going forward with Game 5 coming up? Who do the Warriors want to play? All that. Plus, will Genie Buss come on the show? We've officially invited the Lakers owner. And guess who slid in? To my Periscope, the answer may stun you. All that discussion and more. Welcome in Outkick the Coverage podcast. Thanks for listening.
1: Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
2: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Two games last night that uh, got a lot of attention in the NHL and the NBA. First of all, in the NHL, I don't know how many people pay attention to the St. Louis Blues or know much about the historical context of their franchise, but the Blues are advancing to the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 1970. So if you are in the St. Louis area, congratulations, especially given where the St. Louis Blues were in December and January when you really legitimately thought they might be one of the worst teams in the NHL. For the hot streak that they got on to continue all the way through, they whipped the uh, San Jose Sharks the past two games, were not remotely close, and as a result, they now advance to take on the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup final. So that will be an intriguing one to see, particularly if St. Louis can get rolling and maybe in the Stanley Cup final bring the cup to St. Louis. That would be a a really cool story given how long it's been in that city. So that story is hanging around out there as we move on for the final two in the Stanley Cup. Our hockey expert, Eddie Garcia, I want to get your opinion on that first of all. Uh, Because I do think from a drought standpoint, that's a pretty remarkable uh, story that it's been since 1970 that the St. Louis Blues were in the Stanley Cup final.
3: Yeah, I think it gets overlooked a lot because the St. Louis Cardinals in baseball are like baseball royalty and they've been very successful. But the Blues, if you just want to take a franchise standpoint, have been one of the more I don't know, crestfallen franchises uh, in all of sports. I mean, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals their first three years of existence, and they've never been back since until now. Uh, And the only reason, frankly, that they went the first three years is because when they had the original six teams and they had six expansion teams come in, they put the original six in one division and the expansion teams were all in another division. So an expansion team was guaranteed to go to the Stanley Cup finals for the first couple of years there. So uh, they've had a lot of heartbreak uh, for a lot of uh, a lot of seasons. So I, I feel really good for their fans to get back to the uh, final.
2: I didn't realize that hockey didn't expand beyond six teams until, what, 1967 or thereabouts? That's a, that's a pretty wild story in and of yeah, itself. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, I think we have the final call of that in the event that you are a St. Louis fan. Here that is.
3: Last time the St. Louis
0: Blues went to the finals, Bobby Orr flew through the air. And now, as the horn sounds at Enterprise Center, pandemonium in St. Louis. Hugs everywhere as they surround Jordan Bennington. And on the shark side of the ice, some conciliatory taps for Martin Jones and some thoughts as to what might have been. The final score in the Western Conference Final. Game six, the Blues five, the Sharks one. St. Louis wins the series four games to two. Uh,
2: Also would point out as a part of this that, uh, that Jordan Bennington, the goalie for the St. Louis Blues, has been on absolute fire. That obviously was the Blues radio network. But for people out there who have paid attention to the playoffs in the NHL so far, the San Jose Sharks... Got an incredibly beneficial call in Game 7 of their first-round series against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Probably didn't deserve to win that series. In the second series in Game 7, they got another borderline call when the Colorado Avalanche scored a goal to tie it up in Game 7 that was taken off, and they won Game 3, I believe it was, the last game that the Sharks won in this series – on a uh, hand pass that was incredibly awful to have missed that call. So uh, all is right in the world at least now that the blues are advancing over the uh, over the sharks. Now, in the NBA, got to be honest with you, what did I say yesterday as we left the show? Whenever everybody on this show is in agreement, take the opposite side. Everybody on this show was all in, including me on the uh, on what we thought the Bucks were gonna do in game four, I thought the Bucks were gonna win game four. I thought the Bucks would win at least one of two against the Raptors in Toronto and kind of put this series away and go up 3-1. Instead, the Toronto Raptor bench has come out of nowhere, and the Raptors took complete control of this game. Outside of the first five or six minutes, the Bucks never had a lead. And you go look at at what you got from some of these guys off the bench. Now, first of all, Kyle Lowry has been shooting like wild from outside. I mean, just hitting uh, way more than you would have thought was likely. Marcus all at the top of the key with those three-pointers where nobody is near him. He made three of them, got 17 points. Kawhi, I think not 100% healthy, uh, but still put forward a, a, a really a gutty effort. Uh, to get uh, to get 34 minutes on the court and put up 19 points, but uh, a guy like I mean, first of all, how in the I didn't even know who Norman Powell was. All right, Norman Powell, who uh, I, I guarantee you a lot of you are like, Norman Powell, who's that guy? Took 18 shots off the bench, played 32 minutes, 13 three pointers. He only hit four of them, but he put up 18 points. Did not see Norman Powell coming out and scoring 18. Serge Ibaka had his best game of the postseason. I mean, it's a whale of a game. 24 minutes, he put up 17 points, 13 rebounds. Fred Van Vliet, uh, you may remember him from Wichita State. A lot of people who are college basketball fans will uh, put up 13 points. And as a result, the bench for the Toronto Raptors put up a lot of points in a game where Pascal Siakam didn't score um, Danny Green has been basically absent throughout. Uh, I didn't think that the Raptors had the horses to be able to make a run like this. And in the meantime, uh, the Bucks look downright beatable. Now, it's a wild stat. Coming off of a loss this season, the Milwaukee Bucks were 22-1, and the best record in all of the history of the NBA. I want you to think about that for a minute. No team has ever been better coming off a loss in the history of the NBA than the Milwaukee Bucks. They only lost two games in a row once all season. And again, they went 22-1, and 22 out of 23 times. They had the opportunity to avenge a loss. They did, uh, including in the postseason against uh, Boston when they lost game one and then won four games in a row. And given the fact that the Warriors are kicked back with their heels up, I know that they were rooting aggressively for the Toronto Raptors. This now turns into a very intriguing Game 5, which will be taking place tomorrow, right? Thursday in Milwaukee, you've got Game 5 going on in this series. Potentially Game 6, not potentially, Game 6, definitely. Game 6 on Saturday in uh, Toronto, And then maybe we're going to get a Monday night, Memorial Day, Game 7, Eastern Conference Finals, which I did not anticipate in any way was likely to happen. So this has turned into an incredibly intriguing series. I think if you're the Warriors and you're sitting back at home watching this, I think, I I know, was it yesterday or the day before we had on uh, Chris Mannix and he said, yeah, I think the Warriors would prefer the Milwaukee Bucks because of the defensive capabilities of the Raptors. Maybe that's true, but I tend to think that that I would rather play the Raptors if I were the Warriors. I think they would be more likely to be favored in that series by a substantial margin than they would the Bucks. But this is anybody's series right now, and to be honest, I did not see this coming. Probably a lot of you did not see this coming, particularly after... The way the Bucks handled the Raptors in Game Two in a blowout, and uh, maybe this series is going to end up going seven games. We'll see. Now it's guaranteed six, so uh, this uh, this is going to be intriguing. We'll talk a lot about this game. Uh, potentially, Game Five will be taking place tomorrow. We'll talk a lot about it tomorrow on the show. Certainly, as we uh, as we roll through. And uh, thank God, by the way, that we've got at least one series that's going to matter. Because otherwise, there's absolutely nothing going on in the world of sports. So it looked like we might have a really prolonged uh, amount of days before we got to uh, to that uh, series. But uh, man, they they the, the Toronto Raptors hang on for a double overtime win in Game Three, and now they get a thoroughly dominant, I would say, win in Game Four that surprised everybody on this show surprised uh, a lot of you out there I would imagine as well Uh, when we come back we'll break it down I'll bring in the crew uh, and then we'll be joined by John Campbell in a little bit to uh, to talk gambling as we look ahead to the Stanley Cup final and also break down uh, everything about game five and six in the world of sports Canada by the way can't win the Stanley Cup but man maybe they could actually contend for the NBA championship here did you see Drake like giving a massage to the the head coach of the uh, of the Toronto Raptors on the sideline during that game? Shoulder massage. Um, the other thing I would say is I believe the Raptors lost four games to two, if I'm not mistaken, to the Cleveland Cavaliers in uh, a couple of years ago in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. So if they win one more game in this series, it'll be the most successful series in the history of the Toronto Raptors. But obviously the Raptors don't want to just lose this series in uh, six or seven games. They want to get one more win and, uh, and, and two more wins and take this to the NBA Finals. So we will break this game down. We'll continue to roll through the Wednesday edition of Outkick the Coverage. Hope all of you are having a fantastic morning. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Appreciate all of you listening in all 50 states. The podcast, so many different ways. The iHeartRadio app, foxsportsradio.com, wherever you are streaming, wherever you are listening. Thank you very much for hanging out with us. All right. Uh, Anybody want to apologize for leading people astray? I don't know what the record is. We need to start keeping a a track of this. But when everybody agrees on this show, We have an improbably bad overall gambling record. (laughs) Yesterday, there was 100% agreement that the Bucs would beat the Raptors in Game 4. Instead, we got an absolute beatdown delivered by the Raptors. Danny G, would you like to apologize on behalf of the show?
4: No, because we actually won money for our listeners because you said, fade us, fade the show. I did say fade the show if you went to break. Yeah, you did. That was your final words of the show yesterday. So, If listeners do actually listen to you, they actually won money by fading us. You're right. Whenever it's unanimous like that, it usually goes against us for whatever reason. But who would have thought the Raptors bench would step up like that? You talked about Ibaka, Van Vliet, Powell. I mean, those dudes combined for 48 points off the bench. That's ridiculous. That's not going to happen again, especially not in Milwaukee. This feels like the home team is going to keep winning. That means it's going to go to seven games. Which would
2: be good for the NBA because they got absolutely nothing out of the Warriors series, and it looked like when the Raptors uh, went down 0-2 that there wasn't going to be a lot of drama associated with this season. So you're saying Bucks in seven is your yes. prediction at this point in time, and the home team just wins every game?
4: Yeah, that's what it feels like.
2: Uh, what about you, uh, Dub? What do you think is going to happen here? I mean, I-, I thought the way that the Raptors came out and dominated today was stunning because... I got about the game that I thought we were going to get from Kawhi. He just didn't have the same lift after going for 52 minutes. So it was self-evident that there was going to have to be other guys step up. And I didn't think that the Raptors bench was going to be able to step up in the way that they did and uh, help to carry this team over the finish line. Uh, credit to them. They were fantastic. Uh, but, man, this is, a, uh, this is the first time in the entire postseason, other than maybe, I guess you could say, after they lost Game One to the Celtics, that Raptor fans, uh, sorry that uh, that Bucks fans have had any real reason to be nervous and think, man, we might lose this series. That first loss to the Boston Celtics was tough, but now we'll see whether a young team that hasn't really been that challenged is able to respond to two straight losses. I said before, this team has been historically good coming off of uh, losses this year. They have only had one two-game losing streak in the entirety of the season. And they haven't just been winning. They've been blowing teams out. So to get whipped like they did in Game 4, losing a close game would have been one thing like they did in double overtime in Game 3. But to take the whipping that they did, it's got to be a a shot at the overall confidence of the Bucs. Now maybe they'll go back home where they've been phenomenal all year and they'll take care of Game 5. As we've talked about before, I think it is the winner of Game 5 in uh, NBA series. Typically, when it's tied up two-two, goes on to win eighty-four percent of the time. So, whoever wins on Thursday night has about an eighty-four percent chance of winning this series, and uh, and that's why Game Five matters to such an incredible degree. But Dub, which side are you coming down on? Uh, are you buying into the Raptors at all as having a chance in this series? Or are you still are you in agreement with Danny G that the home team will uh, will win? Given out, they have two of three at home remaining.
5: Yeah, I like the Bucks to to win this series either in six or seven. I mean, the Raptors obviously have a chance if Marcus Gasol and, and the bench plays like that. But the way the this playoffs in, uh, in total have gone, I'm going to stick with the Bucks to get out of this series and play the Warriors in the finals.
2: And I'm going to come back around on the Warriors in a moment. But Eddie Garcia, which side of the equation are you on?
3: No, I, I, I still like the Bucks as well. Um, I'm going to say uh, they get it in seven. I will, I'll agree with Danny. See say the home team wins every, uh, every game in the series, but I'm, I'm still thinking Milwaukee will, will win. Eventually.
2: And, Roberto, are you going to make it unanimous, meaning that everybody should go on the Raptor side Don't and say it. that you expect the Bucks.
6: Uh, the Bucks in six. Bucks and six. Ah.
2: All right, so – and then the next question becomes, given the fact that the Warriors are sitting back at home waiting, hoping to get Kevin Durant healthy, hoping to get DeMarcus Cousins and Andre Iguodala, everybody healthy because they've got so long still to kick back at home and wait still a full week until the NBA Finals actually begin, which is wild. I mean, just crazy that we have an entire week until the NBA Finals will officially begin. Uh, but when you look at the matchups here, do you think the Warriors would prefer to play uh, the Milwaukee Bucks or the Toronto Raptors? Now, let me kind of take this question and break it down a little bit. Um, first of all, we don't know how healthy Kawhi Leonard actually is. I think if you watched this game last night, uh, Kawhi definitely looked like he was hampered. He was on the bench with a heating pad. On uh, it looked like his quad on his like uh, upper thigh. Maybe uh, we know that he's not feeling that well uh, health-wise. He played 52 minutes in Game Three, dialed all the way back to 34 minutes in Game Four. So if this series is going to go a minimum of six, coming off of a seven-game series, I think you want the Warriors. Do I think you want the Raptors? Because I think the Raptors are more likely to be the tired, physically depleted team compared to the Milwaukee Bucks, who have had a lot of rest, who, who so far this postseason played a four-game sweep against the Detroit Pistons. They beat the Celtics in five games. And let's say even if they have to go six or seven in this series, they still, relatively speaking, have not been that challenged overall in the postseason versus the Raptors who really had to give everything they had to get past the Philadelphia 76ers. And now I think it's pretty clear if they come back from 0-2 are going to have to expend an incredible amount of energy in order to get back into uh, this series. I, I don't believe that Kawhi defensively will be able to commit like he's ordinarily able to commit on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I just I think that the Milwaukee Bucks are the younger, fresher team that would make me more nervous if I am the Golden State Warriors. Now, in terms of results, I think the Raptors won 58 and the Bucks won 60, if I'm not mistaken. There wasn't a lot of regular season difference. The Either of these teams, whoever wins, either the Raptors or the Bucks, are going to have home court advantage. So game one of the NBA Finals will be in either Toronto or it will be in Milwaukee. In terms of home court, it doesn't really factor in here at all. So uh, I think I would rather play the Raptors based on their health conditions and also based on how many games they theoretically will have had to play in the last two series in order to get ready. You with me in this analysis, or do you disagree, Danny G?
4: I was with you until Chris Mannix came on the show yesterday. You mentioned that in the first segment. Uh, I guess that's the reason we have some good guests on the show, to make us think, because, yeah, I assumed – that they would love to face, you know, the Raptors rather, Giannis. Giannis, I think, would be a big matchup nightmare for them. But on the other hand, with Kawhi being a former Finals MVP and some of the Raptors players having some playoff experience over the young uh, Bucks team, it's a toss-up. But I, I don't think it matters either way. At the end, because Draymond and Steph are playing so spectacular, I don't think it matters which team.
2: Yeah, game one will be massive, right? Because you spend so much time fighting for home court advantage and the Warriors will have had nine or ten days to get healthy and be incredibly fresh. And the question I think you would have if you're a Warriors fan is, is it possible we could be a little bit off of our game uh, before we get to to that one? Yes, certainly it's possible, uh, but I don't think it's very likely. What about you, Dub? Who do you think is a better matchup for the Warriors? Who should they be rooting for?
5: Yeah, I think they would rather play the Bucks in the finals just because kind of what Danny G and Chris Mannix laid out, the the experience factor I think is huge when you get this far down the stretch. And Giannis, he's not a great shooter, and I think the Warriors would be able to uh, come up with a game plan to keep him outside the lane and make him shoot from the outside as much as possible.
2: What about you, Eddie? Which way would you go?
5: Well, I'm, I'm going to pick the Raptors
3: just because of the injury factor to Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he's yeah. one misstep away from being out for the series.
2: And you thought for a minute when you saw him dunk left-handed on Giannis and get the and-one for people who were watching that game last night, I think that was in the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. He came down, and for a minute there you thought, uh-oh, uh, with the way that he was walking right after that play and the fact that they limited him to th- 34 minutes. I, I just I don't think they can play him much more than 30 minutes, uh, 33, 34 minutes or so. Now, obviously that could change if you got into a Game 7 scenario I'm sure Kawhi wouldn't want to be pulled out of the game, just like he played a ton of minutes in Game Seven to get the Raptors into the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. But man, I, I just I don't feel that confident about uh, about his ability there. Good stuff as always. We got John Campbell at Johnny Oddsharks joined uh, joined us for a long time, and this is your final visit with us because you're moving into a new job.
7: I yeah, am, yeah, yeah, pretty exciting. I'm, I'm sorry to be uh, stepping away from the the media spots, but yeah, moving into a new role, I'm pretty excited.
2: Uh, So you're moving away into a new role right as potentially the Raptors put together their greatest run in the history of Canadian basketball. I don't know if you're a good luck charm or a bad luck charm. Uh, What is the state of Canada this morning as people wake up and realize, hey, we're two wins away from advancing to the first ever NBA finals in the history of our country?
7: Yeah, pretty exciting. I think anybody who didn't stay up to to finish that one is waking up to a surprise. I think a lot of people just thought the Bucks were going to walk through this series. So this is incredible. Uh, Bucks favored by seven in the next one. So so they're they're favored by by a fair fairly big number. But yeah, Canada is just on fire right now.
2: So what do you see happening now that this series is tied up two two? Do you think the Raptors have a legitimate chance to, uh, to to grab this series, given that we're effectively down to a three-game playoff.
7: Yeah, I, I absolutely think the Raptors can win this one. Now they're plus 220 now to win this series, and, and that's about the money line for Game 5, plus 230. Uh, but but I think they can. They they figure some things out here. They're playing excellent defense, and and uh, Kyle Lowry had a great game last night. They really need him. The Raptors need their bench to come through because the Bucks bench is just so much better and they're so much deeper. So we have seen that. As long as the Raptors bench can continue to contribute, they can win this series
2: from a warrior perspective how much different would it difference would it make in their title odds whether they played the raptors or whether they played the bucks uh, as we were just talking about either the raptors or the bucks would have home court advantage over the warriors so it's not as if that swings one way or the other based on who advances
7: yeah, it, not too much really. I would say I think the Warriors are going to be favored by more over the Raptors. Uh, for, they're they're minus two twenty right now. Bucks are plus two sixty, and then the Raptors are nine to one. So they're quite a ways back. I think the Warriors uh, would be favored by probably a good chunk more over the Raptors, but I, I wouldn't underestimate them. If they get there and get past the Bucks, they're 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 a good team. You can't sleep on them.
2: For people who have not spent any time in Canada and don't really understand what the Raptors mean from a basketball perspective to the country, just how popular are the Raptors in Canada?
7: Well, they've become hugely popular. And once upon a time, when the Raptors were playing in the playoffs, it it didn't matter who they were playing or how good a season they had. Hockey was going on TV in most Canadian homes, and maybe you'd flip to the Raptors game and Last night we were watching a hockey game. Uh, we were in the box, and everybody wanted the Raptors game on. We're, we're watching the game on the ice, and we we all have our heads turned to watch the Raptors. And that's, just, that's a big culture change for Canada, where the Raptors have kind of become the leading team. And with no Canadian teams left in the playoffs, this has really given the country something to cheer for.
2: Now, you mentioned uh, hockey, and the St. Louis Blues advanced to the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1970 they will be taking on the Boston Bruins. How would you assess that matchup?
7: I I think it's an incredible matchup, and and the two teams probably playing the best right now, so it's very fitting that they're both in the finals. Bruins are minus 170 favorites for Game 1. I think that's way too much. I think that's just not giving the Blues enough respect. Part of that is is Bruins have had some rest, but I don't like teams that have had too much rest in, in hockey going into the next series, so... A lot of people think the Bruins are a one-line team, but they're really not. They picked up uh, a couple guys, Coyle and Johansson, at the trade deadline that have given them really three solid, hard-hitting lines. So I think the casual hockey fan is going to love this. I don't know that the NHL loves the Bruins-Blues finals, but the uh, this is going to be a really fast, hard-hitting series. Two excellent goalies, so I think this total at five and a half for game one is set a little too high. The juice is on the under, but I, I think you take the under until uh, until you're proven wrong in this one.
2: Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, we had Brooks Kepka get his fourth major title on Sunday at uh, Beth Page Black, and as a result, as we look ahead, I know it's still you know, a ways away uh, to the U.S. Open, which will be taking place at Pebble Beach. What has that done to the odds markets, and how much of a favorite is Kepka? How much of a favorite should he be in your mind?
7: Well, he's six to one now. We saw this as well after the the Masters. As soon as Tiger won the Masters, he shoots to the top of the leaderboard for the rest of the majors, and we're seeing that now with Kepka. He is the favorite at, at six to one, and then he dropped to five to one. So we're even seeing some early money on him, and I think he should be even lower than that we, we, I, right now. He's playing like Tiger was in his prime. He just dismantled the field over the weekend. Uh, a little close at the end, but he's done this now for. A couple majors. When Tiger was doing that, he was two-to-one favorite, sometimes three-to-one favorite to win majors. And in regular tournaments, he was close to even money. So when you compare that, Kepka still isn't quite getting the Tiger respect. I think he should be more like three to one, four to one, and I think the money will pour in. I think these odds will drop even more, and he's just playing incredible golf.
2: I think Tiger Woods around eight to one. Obviously, you never get good value on Tiger Woods because so much of the public is eager to back him, and that didn't matter, and that was why the sports books took such a huge hit when he won the Masters. Pebble Beach, Tiger, has been incredibly successful playing the course over the course of his career. Uh, what should the line be for Tiger? What is it? How is it looking in the wake of Kepka's dominance in the PGA?
7: It's, it's, yeah, Tiger's at 10-1 to 1 here. And right now you can assume that Tiger should be more than what he's listed at. 10-1. Probably something more like twenty to one, twenty to 5, twenty-five to one for me. There's going to be a ton of money coming in on Tiger still, especially because he's won at Pebble Beach before. But he's in a whole new area here because I don't think a lot of us expected him to ever win a, another major. And he takes a month off before the PGA and doesn't play and doesn't make the cut and. I don't. I don't know how motivated he is to win again here in in the U.S. Open. I think he's got to find his groove again and get motivated and figure out how many more of these things he wants to win. But I, I don't think I'm going to take him for the U.S. Open at ten to one. That's just not good enough for me.
2: Last month, uh, in this uh, in this country, Iowa, Montana, Indiana, and Tennessee have all legalized sports gambling. Uh, how do you think that's going to impact things as we come closer to football season and you start to look at man? We could have fifteen or sixteen different states all legalize sports gambling. It's going to kind of change things.
7: Yeah, yeah, it is, and and I just think the momentum is going to keep rolling where legalization continues to spread across the country, and I, I think states will see the money that's being made, and just that nothing's really being heard. There's a lot of fun in this as. as football season grows and that sort of thing so i think they're going to want to get in in the action and get in on the money the money is never going to be what the projections say it's going to be that's a that's a sales pitch to the people but i just think it's going to be widespread. I think we are going to see inevitably every state go legalized
2: john campbell thanks so much for coming on the show so many times over the past couple of years you've been outstanding congratulations on the promotion and thanks for coming on
7: appreciate it clay thanks very much
2: that is John Campbell at Johnny Oddshark getting promoted, moving into a new role at his company. will no longer be with us. He's been great with us for the past uh, couple of years, breaking down things from a gambling perspective. Uh, as we go to break, I've got maybe the best, uh, the best clip in the history of Aaron Rodgers' career. What did he say? You're going to want to hear this audio next on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. I feel like athletes get asked the same questions over and over and over again. So by and large, it's genuinely difficult to get legitimate answers from them because they go into the cliche of answering cliched questions. I feel like many media members don't help because they ask cliched questions over and over again. And certainly athletes like Aaron Rodgers have their armor up when they get asked questions relating to football because they know how quickly a partial answer to a sentence can turn into a viral uh, story when they're not intending it. I think certainly in football particularly, guys would prefer that the media not really be there. right? If your average coach and top player had his choice – They would prefer not to really make news, uh, certainly about the sport of football. So in his entire career, can you really remember anything that interesting that Aaron Rodgers has ever said other than the relax quote, which obviously went viral back in the day uh, when the Packers had started off 0-2 or 0-3 or whatever it was? That's why this answer. So Aaron Rodgers is a big Game of Thrones fan. He had a cameo in the, uh, what, episode 5, I guess, of season 8, the next to last episode of the the series. And he was asked what he thought of the Game of Thrones finale. And I think you're going to hear this answer and you're going to be like, my God, you know what? I really like Aaron Rodgers now, which makes me wonder, should every athlete get to talk about whatever he's passionate about outside of football as part of his interview weekly as opposed to actual football questions because Aaron Rodgers absolutely nails this. What did he think of the finale of Game of Thrones?
5: Were you satisfied with the ending?
9: No. <laughs> <laughs> I love the show and I, and it was a great 10 years, but, uh, but no. I mean, he come down to the end and Tyrion says... The person with the best story is Bran, who, by the way, three episodes ago said he wasn't Bran Stark anymore. No, John had a better story. Danny had a better story. Arya had a better story. Sansa had a better story. Tyrion had a better story. Varys had a better story. Braun, a lot better story. Jamie, better story. Cersei, probably better stories. Any Baratheon, better story.
1: So who should have been on the
9: throne? I mean, I think. I think Danny should have been on the throne. Here's the thing, though. Here's my th- here's my last theory about it. If Bran, the three eyed raven, who, who's you know all about the health of the realm, let's think about what he did. He basically wanted the throne the whole time because he's the one that told the Starks, knowing that Sansa would tell Tyrion, knowing that Tyrion would talk to Varys, knowing they'd scheme for Danny's death, knowing that would piss her off, which led her to be the Mad Queen. So he, the entire time, kind of set this whole thing up, and at the end he goes, oh yeah, I don't don't want to be king. Oh, but why did I travel all this way to be here? No. Look, (laughs) I I love the opportunity to be in the show, which most people probably don't think I was, but I was there. (laughs) I love the show, but, uh, you know, the writers are also doing Star Wars, so I think they might have been a little busy this last season.
6: (laughs) I
2: mean, like, I don't know about you, But obviously, some of you out there hate Game of Thrones. And I know you're not in the 45 million people who will watch the season finale. And I understand that. But there's a massive, huge fan base out there that is listening to us right now that did watch Game of Thrones. And so, as a result, I think, I listened to this and uh, last night I saw this clip and I said, you know what? This makes me like Aaron Rodgers so much more and I didn't really dislike Aaron Rodgers I mean I enjoy watching him play football but I don't feel like we really know that much about Aaron Rodgers I don't remember him ever being that engaged answering any question that I've ever heard him ask before in his career and this makes me like him so much more but can you guys remember hearing Aaron Rodgers anywhere near this engaged on any football question he's ever been asked in his career
4: no, not about football, that's for sure. And that
2: was pretty good, right, that breakdown?
4: Yeah, I almost felt like I was watching your Periscope reaction show all over again.
2: Yeah, you know what, I, 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 we don't have that many athletes on the show, by and large. We don't have that many coaches. But I honestly would rather find out what every athlete and coach cares about from a you know kind of news-making perspective, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, and quiz them on that than I would uh, anything having to do with their sport. Because I do think that you're more likely to learn about somebody by asking them about something other than football or basketball or whatever it is because they get asked those questions so much. And this is is not a new idea of mine. Like, several years ago, we did the uh, Country Music Awards red carpet. And we did the red carpet under the premise of we will only ask uh, artists, you know, country music singers, about their favorite sports teams and they loved it they would light up like I'm not a country music fan so I don't really know what these guys sing like it's not like I my you know I get all googly eyed over singers like I just don't know them uh, guys or girls but a lot of them are huge sports fans and so talking to them about sports like their eyes would light up because they haven't been asked about it before and I think there's a lot of truth to that if you looked at how Aaron Rodgers answered that question I think a lot of people out there right now who are Game of Thrones fans are like, man, I kind of like Aaron Rodgers now. That was pretty phenomenal. Uh, When we come back, we're going to be joined by John Morosi, who was at the St. Louis Blues game last night. We'll have him break down Blues Bruins, who should be favored, and we'll talk about the latest in the world of Major League Baseball. Cody Bellinger making a run at 400. Could he actually do it? What kind of high-level ceiling does this guy have? This is Fox Sports Radio. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Live from the Geico OutKick studios, uh, we are reacting to last night's game six of the Stanley Cup Finals. uh, The Western Conference of the Stanley Cup Finals, that is. The St. Louis Blues, for the first time since 1970, advanced to the Stanley Cup Final to take on the Boston Bruins. And the Toronto Raptors serve notice that they will not go quietly into that good night, winning back-to-back games at Jurassic Park in Toronto. Now tied up at two games apiece in that series, the Raptors, who have had a long and star-crossed uh, level of futility in the postseason with a chance, now that it's a three-game playoff series, to potentially Advance to their first ever NBA finals. I did not see that coming. If you listen to the show, you know that nobody on this show thought that the Toronto Raptors would win game four. They did it, and they did it in improbable and impressive fashion with an utter beatdown of the Milwaukee Bucks. Why is this such a big deal? Well, the Bucks had the best record in the NBA in the history of the league coming off of a loss. They were 22 and 1 in their last 23, coming off of a loss uh, that's the best that's ever existed in the history of the NBA, and in the process, they went out there and dominated, the Raptors did, in a bounce-back game. Giannis was just okay. The the, the Raptors seem to have hit pretty strongly on the strategy of, we're going to clog up the middle of the lane, not let Giannis get to the basket, make him shoot from outside, make him kick it outside, to his teammates, and make other people beat us other than Giannis. And as a result, that story, that that game plan, seems to be working decently, particularly when there are as many people coming off the bench making as many different plays as they did, whether it was uh, Norman Powell, who a lot of you, including me, had no idea who he was coming in. He scores 18. Serge Ibaka puts up 17. Fred Van Vliet puts up 13. As a result, the bench of the Toronto Raptors was just absolutely fantastic. And uh, they dominated and never were in doubt down the stretch of this game. And as a result, we've got Game 5 and it's anybody's ball game. with uh, 84% of the time when a series is tied up 2-2 in the NBA, whoever wins Game 5 goes on to win this series. We'll see how it breaks down. But in the meantime... John Morosi joining us now, and uh, we have got an incredible setup now. If you are a St. Louis Blues fan, uh, John, you don't just cover Major League Baseball. I want to start with hockey, and the Blues have advanced to the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1970. You are, I believe, right now in St. Louis, or you were at that game last night. What was the atmosphere? What was the vibe like for this one?
10: Well, good morning, Clay, and yes, uh, an amazing night for St. Louis. Uh, they get back to the Cup Final for the first time in 49 years, and uh, as one person in the organization told me, in in some respects, that was the biggest game in franchise history because while they had made the Cup Final three different times in the first three years of their existence, that was a different playoff format where there was one original six team playing one expansion team all three of those years and and uh, they they were swept in all three of their Cup finals uh, back then against the Canadians and the Bruins in, in 1970 and so this is just a different time the hockey has grown so much in St Louis so many of their legends uh, from Brett Hull to Al McKinnis they they all live uh, right here in the St Louis area so uh, last night in so many ways Clay was the the culmination of where that organization is right now and, and they've they've played exceptionally well the the overall story and and whether or not you're a diehard hockey fan uh, for all of our listeners out there the reality of it is this the blues had the worst record in the league so imagine this the worst record in the league in the early days in the new year and since january 3rd they've had the best record in the national hockey league and so they're the first team ever in this sport to, to go from having the worst record in the league midway through the year to then going to the Stanley Cup final. That That is, you name the sport. I mean, if you've got the worst record in the National Football League at the end of October, then you win the Super Bowl. That's basically what we're seeing here, and uh, or at least get to the Super Bowl. And that's what we're seeing right here with with the Blues. So, remarkable turnaround for really any sports story right now, and, and the Blues are playing extraordinarily well, and, and they've got a great chance against a great Boston Bruins team in, in the Cup final. Yeah,
2: how would you break down the Blues against the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final?
10: Well if you are a fan, Clay, of of tough, physical, hard-hitting hockey, this is your series. Uh Peter DeBoer, the head coach of the Sharks, said last night after his team lost that, that the two toughest, heaviest teams are the two that are still standing. And he talked about how yes, there's certainly a place in the in the game of hockey for a lot of skill and 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 talent and and playmaking. Uh, but uh, at this time of year, the the ability to, to play a, a tough, bruising style of hockey uh, is really important, and, and the two teams that can do that the best are, are the ones that are still standing, and, and Tuka Rask, the, the goaltender in Boston, has been absolutely magnificent uh, so far in these playoffs, but Jordan Bennington's been brilliant for St. Louis as well, and, and Clay, one other Underdog story from St. Louis's perspective, uh, Binnington entered camp this year as their fourth string goaltender, and he is now, in his rookie year, uh, uh, taking the Blues to the cup final. He actually was so far off the depth chart last year that uh, the, the, the Blues, who didn't even have an American Hockey League affiliate, so the top level of the minor leagues, they didn't have a team last year uh, of their own. And so uh, Bennington was sent to the only place they could find a spot from the American Hockey League, which was, ironically enough, the Bruins' AHL affiliate. So that he, That's how far he was off their radar. They sent him to another team's affiliate, uh, and so he's going to now play some of his former teammates here in the Cup Finals. So just some amazing sports stories and, of course, a rematch for any uh, the, uh, hockey historians or sports historians a rematch of the 1970 final, which ended with uh, the incredible Bobby Orr goal, and, and we've all seen that sports photo, one of the best sports photos ever, of Bobby Orr parallel to the ground of scoring the winning goal. Uh, that that was snapped 49 years ago, and now here's a rematch between those two teams in the Blues' first cup final appearance since then.
2: Let's talk uh, shift to Major League Baseball now. You're an expert in both of these fields, and we're talking to John Morosi. You can follow him on Twitter at J-O-N-M-O-R-O-S-I he's joining us live from St. Louis as the uh, blues continue to celebrate in that city. Uh Cody Bellinger, we are now sitting at almost a third of the way through the Major League Baseball season, believe it or not. I mean, it's going to be there quickly. The the Dodgers have played almost 50 games. Uh Cody Bellinger is hitting 404, uh meaning that at least uh, there's the idea that he might be around 400 by the time of the All-Star break and at a minimum He's lasted almost a third of the season doing so. Uh, I read a great article about how he changed his swing and stopped trying to swing for the fences, and the result has been pretty phenomenal. The Dodgers have been on fire uh, so far this year, but Bellinger's performance, I think, may be a little bit under the radar, even though it's going on in a big city like Los Angeles. How impressive has he been, and what do you think about his odds of... Kind of keeping this going. How much longer can he stay above four hundred?
10: Well, Clay, it's a great question. Uh, to me, he's got a chance to keep this going. Uh, it, it's so hard now in this day and age. It, it, it would be it would be stunning historically for anyone to bat four hundred uh, now because you've got uh, shifting and and the pitchers' game plans have become so advanced. Uh, it's it's even harder to do this now than it was uh, back in ninety four when. You and I remember in, in our youth, Tony Gwynn having that chance to do it Yes, uh, when, uh, when the strike hit. And then, of course, uh, we were denied that chance to follow Gwynn in, in, his, in his quest for history. So uh, it, it would be historically far more stunning for it to happen now because of all those reasons I mentioned and, and the way the game is played. But to your point, it, it would be a great lesson to all the players in the league that making an adjustment, can yield results and yield success. It takes a pretty big leap of faith to, to change things about yourself and, and risk that those changes will, will make you worse. Uh, I think that's that's true in any of our professions, and it's especially true in baseball, which is so where, where the uh, you, you're talking about fractions of an inch in terms of the actual impact of the bat to ball that change everything and uh there's a lot of truisms in the game about how you know if you try to make some adjustments, you might go from batting two sixty or two seventy to to batting two forty if it doesn't doesn't work out for you so Bellinger, who had had a bit of an up and down year last year, took a big leap of faith in doing this and it's been brilliant to watch. He is showing other players that hey maybe maybe we can all make some adjustments here because this has been a, an absolute year of era of of guys staying with their approach even if it means a ton of strikeouts so I think it's great for the game that he's that he's doing this um, and, and to your point Clay if he just keeps us up for one more month we can certainly then say he's got a shot at this thing uh, so I'll, I'll uh, for me I want to see one more month of this before I really invest my heart and soul in saying that he's going to do it uh, or has a chance to do it but uh, it's great for the game that he's done it for a third of the year and that's uh, certainly further than anyone could have expected in this this day and age of shifting and and a high level of strikeouts because of the high velocity from pitchers he's
2: also propelled the dodgers to a pretty substantial lead early in the NL west i mean they're up 7 games uh so far into the season which is Pretty much, other than the Astros, who are absolutely running away with the uh, with the AL West because they've got maybe the best team in baseball right now. I mean, how good a shape are the Dodgers in? Last year it was, I believe, where the Dodgers came out of the gate and were awful and had to fight to get back to relevance. I mean, a seven-game lead in, in, in late May is, is pretty phenomenal.
10: Well, you're right, Clay, and, and at this time last year, I believe, to your point, they were still climbing out of their bad start and were even under 500 last year, and they went on, of course, to make it to the World Series again. So um, it's a very different year for them right now. The, the competition in, in the division is a little bit different, uh, where, where they've got an even clearer path. Uh, Kershaw has bounced back better than I expected he would. So he's, he's been very good. Hunjin uh, Ryu is is pitched like a like a Cy Young candidate early for them, uh, and he was missing for for big stretches of the year last year. So I, I've been very impressed with this team. They they it, one thing they did too, Clay, was they streamlined their their lineup a little bit. Uh, it's not quite as 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 changeable one day to the next, where they're going with somewhat the same cast of characters uh, in, in their lineup uh, from a platoon standpoint, which I think has has helped everybody stay sharp and and just stay in a, in a better rhythm. So there, it's it's amazing to say it about a team that that's made it to the World Series each of the last two years, but in, in some ways, Clay, this is. This is a better team, or at least they're playing better uh, and, and playing with a greater level of cohesion. So they're a dangerous team. I, I, I'd be stunned at this point if they don't win the National League West, and, and they've got a great chance, I believe, to make it to the World Series for a third straight year, uh, even though you've got the Phillies playing so well out east, uh, at least of late in the, in the Cubs, of course have gotten themselves up after a bad first week of the season. They've been the best team in many ways in Major League Baseball, and they're playing very well there in the Central.
2: Uh, do you think the Astros are the best team in baseball?
10: Uh, I do. They're the most complete team in the game. Their, their lineup, to me, is is deeper than, than the Dodgers uh, because to this excellent group they've had for the last several years, they've now added Michael Brantley, who is an extraordinary player, steady person in the clubhouse, And you look at the way the American League playoff picture plays out, the the Twins are now playing well, and they're getting some distance there in in the Central. So uh, at at this point in time, you're looking like, uh, Astros great chance to win the division out west. I'd be stunned if they didn't do that. Uh, they're they're really got a they've got a very clear spot, a very clear path to a playoff berth. And the Twins are now getting some uh, some momentum there too. But I think overall the Astros best team in in the game. And last night another no hit bid by Justin Verlander, who uh, is, of course he's idolized Nolan Ryan in his life. Uh, and Nolan Ryan was there last night as he was going for another you know no hitter. So a really cool story there for Verlander and the Astros, who I think Clay, you're right that they are the best team in baseball right now
2: what are you what are you hearing I'm curious uh and that you may not be expecting this question but uh, Major League Baseball expansion um this kind of flared up a little bit um you know we're sitting at 30 teams uh, I guess Rob Manfred came out and named several different cities uh including Nashville my hometown is a place that Major League Baseball potentially would be interested in expanding into uh, I know that there's issues with game to game attendance, certainly down in uh, with the Marlins, where I think they're averaging something like eight or 9,000 fans a game, which is obviously not very good. Yet the revenue continues to grow because these local television markets do love their baseball, right? People like to watch baseball in the local markets. Um, do you get the sense that expansion might actually be on the uh, on the horizon, or do you think baseball is pretty much set in the way that they are uh, are right now at 30 teams?
10: Well, Clay, I, I love this topic. You, you've asked me one of my favorite topics, so this is, this is a good one. Uh, I believe that we will see expansion in the next 10 years. Yeah. Five years, I'm not sure. Ten years, I believe we will. But there's an asterisk here, and that asterisk is that it can't happen until MLB gets an answer out of what's gonna happen with the stadium in Tampa Bay and what's gonna happen in Oakland. You can't expand the thirty two teams to let's just say Nashville and Portland, just to just to mention two American cities, and then say, Oh no, we we've expanded the thirty two teams. And now, and now it's not going to work in Tampa, and it's not going to work in Oakland. We've got to find a way to relocate. So they can't. I believe, just outwardly, this appears to me that they're a little wary of losing the leverage and just and just losing the strategy and 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 spread themselves too thin to get to 32 before you know what's happening in in those two markets. Uh, and, and really, uh, the, the A's have a have an actionable plan. That, that's getting some momentum happening there in the East Bay. The the, the Tampa Bay Rays do not. And so, uh, for me, I, I believe we're going to see expansion, but it can't happen until we get answers out of those two places. And so um, it would obviously be easier for MLB if both of them get a new stadium soon. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, then then one of those could be relocated before they're able to then go to 32 teams. But they've got candidates uh, between Nashville, Portland, Charlotte, uh, Las Vegas maybe, and then, of course, uh, Montreal, uh, in Canada, Vancouver. There's been a different talk about Mexico City uh, being a possibility or, or, or Monterey. So uh, internationally is, is one avenue, too. But I think that the league wants to see how the business plays out in the next couple of years. But uh, in general, Clay, I'm I'm with you that Probably in the next uh, decade or so, we're going to see expansion, and and your town, Clay, is uh, is right there in the conversation. Uh, you know, I, I'd be curious to see if if they would be able to expand to the same, uh, you know, in the same existing footprint of the Triple A ballpark in the new part of town. So, uh, great to see it Nashville uh, being uh, right front and center in the. Uh, conversation about expansion there in in mlb do you think that there's a uh that there's a belief that
2: you said you think it'll happen in the next 10 years you think there's pretty decent momentum that major league baseball would be interested in adding a couple of franchises notwithstanding the challenges that exist in oakland and tampa
10: yes uh and 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 the commissioners talked about this publicly about believing the game is is intrinsically a a growth industry which it is uh, that they've been able to grow revenues to your point even though there have been some attendance concerns but this is a sport that at, at the end of the day when you think about media rights and uh, and how uh, how that drives so much of the of the conversation around the business model of baseball one thing that we know is that baseball gives you 162 nights or afternoons of of content a year that's almost half the year you've got and if you add in spring training it basically is half the year uh, half the nights of the year you've got content on your smartphone or on your local uh, t- television package. And so uh, however the media rights situation gets handled in, in the future um, and, and however millennials watch their teams, uh, to the extent that baseball remains a popular sport and actually, prefer, for my participation standpoint clay it's it's even more popular now than ever which is something that you, you may not uh, believe based on the uh, narratives about how much baseball is being played but at, at the youth sports level baseball is tremendously popular and so the the game is still being played and it's still on your phone and if and if that's the case you think about how our our country changes how our consumption habits change the reality is if you like baseball it's it's on your phone all the time and 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 that uh, to me is is still a uh, a very important consideration as MLB looks to go to 32 teams eventually at some point in the next decade.
2: Outstanding stuff as always, John Morosi. J-O-N-M-O-R-O-S-I. You can follow him on Twitter there. Uh, get some sleep, my man. I appreciate you waking <laughs> up early. I appreciate it, Clay. You
10: bet you. Betcha. I love catching up every week, my friend. Always great talking. Uh, whatever sport it is with you, my friend. Thanks for everything.
2: Yeah, good stuff. All right, so uh, as we go to break here, It is Wednesday, anonymous mailbag time. I will solve any problems anywhere in the OutKick universe. 877-996-6369. Where are phones set up right now, by the way? All right, so I just want to point this out. LA phones, when do we take calls, on Monday?
6: Yeah, Monday.
2: Monday, the phones were flawless in Los Angeles, right? We didn't have a single blip. Everybody could hear. There was zero issue. This might be the time when I chop Nashville's head off if we can't have the phones work. But Dub is fielding them. 877-996-6369. Whatever problems you have, I can solve it. It's the Outkick Anonymous Mailbag. We will solve your problems. 877-996-6369. Appreciate all of you hanging out with me. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
6: Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting deep by 18. My first
8: game in Kentucky. They're saying, cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that.
6: Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins.
8: I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Welcome back Geico Outkick Studios Going to solve all of your problems in the anonymous mailbag Next 877-996-6369 996 6369 It's time for me to solve all of your problems in life With the anonymous mailbag Cue the music boys You've got mail mother- Anonymous mailbag If there was a problem yo I'll solve it Alright Dub who should we go to first to make the world a better place
5: we got Iowa up first.
2: Iowa, what you got for me? How we doing, Clay, today? Excellent.
11: Good. All right. So here's the deal I'm 27 years old. Date this girl previously Get ago. Getting kids this day and that time. We broke up two years ago because she wanted to have a family. I want to get back with father. All right. Now, got right. engaged and
6: everything
11: broke off the engagement, we are now talking about six months into it. Now she is kind of head over heels, I want a baby, I want to get married. I don't know, she, I don't know if she's gonna fight get back at her you know, ex the father of her child, or if she actually wants it because she says that, you know, she always thought about me. is it something that I risk We're both be stable? Or is it something that I hold off? You know,
2: all right. So first of all, I don't understand why every single person who calls our Nashville studio is incomprehensible. Is is it just me, or is every single phone call un like almost impossible to understand?
6: No, it's it's not just you.
2: <laughs> I mean, we had LA calls yesterday or Monday or whatever it was, and everything was flawless. And I've been blaming cell phone reception. But I I am telling you this right now. I am close to losing my mind over why we can't have the Nashville studio receive a call and put it on the air and have people able to actually understand what other people are saying. I just I, I don't I don't understand how that is not possible to solve. Roughly, can somebody translate what question he asked?
4: No, I no idea what he said. Dub, anything on
5: your end? So our friend here in Iowa had a relationship with a girl for about four years. They broke up. She already has uh, a kid in a previous relationship, and she's wanting to get back together. They've been back together for, I think he said, six months, and now she's wanting to move back in and have another child with him. Yeah, he's no, asking bad, what to do. It's a
2: bad move. It's a bad move. She's gotten desperate because she uh she has a kid with a dad who's probably not doing a good job. She recognizes in retrospect that you would do a good job and she's desperate. But what is she selling that you can't get elsewhere? Like in every relationship, you need to think about who's the better catch, right? This is kind of the premise of outkick the coverage. You want to outkick your coverage. What is a uh, uh, a mom, I don't know if she's divorced or if she just had a kid without, uh, without being married, who broke up with you four years ago that now has circled back around to you and wants to get married. She's made bad choices in her life and she now recognizes that you have made good choices in your life. I don't know why you would go back to her. You've proven, she's proven that she can't be trustworthy uh, and that she'll drop you. And in the time that she dropped you, she went and got hooked up with another guy. I just uh, don't understand why you would make that move unless something else has changed in your life. So I would say don't get married and don't have a kid with her. She's already got one kid. She's only 26. She's still young. But you got to have her prove that she's worth you. All right, who's up next? I swear to God, if I can't understand him, I'm going to lose my mind.
5: All right, let's give a shout out to North Carolina. He's up next.
2: North Carolina, what you got for me?
5: Hey, what's up,
12: Clay? Love the show. Appreciate um, it. Well, I recently broke up with my girlfriend of eight years. we lived together for four years, and she broke up with me last week, ripped my heart out. She still loves me, I know it, but I'm not sure how to get another chance. I live with my parents right now, have to drive back and forth to work every day, but I talk to her every day. I can't stay away from her and not talk to her. But it doesn't seem like she you know, wants this right now. She needs time. And in the future, maybe we could be together. But I need to know what to do with my life right now. How old are you? So, I'm 25. She's
2: You're 25. Is she the same age?
12: She's 23.
2: So, you started dating when you were juniors or so in high school?
12: I was a senior. She was a sophomore.
2: All right. So, and why did she break up with you? I mean, it boils down to financial troubles um
12: you know I have a lot of bills and I'm actually I feel like I'm just getting my life together as far as that and then I get hit with this before I can really start to show it
2: so and where did you live you said you lived together yes sir where did you live together at your house or in an apartment
12: Uh, in an apartment um Uh, that's the thing um we live with her father because he's you know very ill and he's been living with us and since then you know it's not like i can do all this stuff all the time for her it's just kind of weird
2: so she's living in the apartment that you used to live in by herself or with her dad and you moved back in with your parents yes uh and you're trying to figure out what you can do to get her back and and you think a big reason why she broke up with you was financial
12: yeah, I mean, it's not about money at all, but when it, you know, comes down to it it is cuz I can't I don't have this extra money for us to go enjoy time together with the, you know, the little time we have and all these other little things.
2: Yeah. All right, uh good call. Now this is a good lesson I think for guys in general. Um I would say that about the time that you turn 24 or 25 years old, suddenly girls start to realize what life really costs and what the life that they want to live is going to really cost. And let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, Women are better at planning than men are, by and large. And they think, and I've used this as an example for a long time, they think in further out than you do because... Women have to think about having men before having babies before men do, right? Biologically, this is an incontrovertible biological fact. Women are thinking about, like, if I'm going to have one kid, where do I need to be? How old am I going to be? If I'm going to have two kids, men never have to think about this. So men can live that Peter Pan lifestyle where you're out and about and you're having a great time and you're like 44 years old and you just suddenly decide, you know what, maybe I will have a couple of kids. You can do that. Women don't have that luxury. And so um, I always say this, like when you are in high school or you're early in college, women will just, everybody wants the same guy. And it's the athletic guy. It's the guy who's good looking, good shape. And then you know what happens with a lot of those guys? They end up being losers once they get outside of high school or college. You've seen it happen a ton of times the captain of your school's football team, he's swimming in girls when he's 17 or 18 years old. By 27, he's got a job that doesn't pay him that much. He might have a kid already. He hasn't gotten married. He's gotten fat. He drinks too much, and nobody wants him anymore. You don't want to be the guy who peaks at 17 or 18 years old. But what our caller there from North Carolina has got is this girl that you're with has been with you for a long time, and she's been waiting for you to show signs that you are going to be able to be a productive, big-time you know, earner for her, that you're going to be able to get her kids into a good school district. Most guys out there are clueless about school districts. About 24, 25 years old, your girl is starting to understand where she wants to live because where she wants her kids to go to school. And she's starting to un- to think about, wait a minute, This is going to cost a lot more money than maybe I realized. And so I need a man, even if you're working in this day and age, you need a man who can pull the weight. And women, by and large, at 24 or 25 years old, are ahead of men financially. They're going to school at better rates. They're graduating from college. They're getting graduate degrees. They are able to pull their weight, but they're sitting around saying, wait a minute, I need a man who can at least carry half of this weight If we're going to get into this right school district. And it sounds to me like her biggest concern with you is that you haven't gotten your financial house in order. You know what's sexy? A good credit score. You know what's sexy? Owning your own home. You know what's sexy? Not having to worry about getting your car repossessed. And men don't oftentimes get the financial uh, aspects of their life in order. Do you know why men drive expensive cars? Because it works. Think about it. People are like, oh, that guy's having a midlife crisis. He's driving an expensive car. No, you know what an expensive car says to a woman? That man can afford that expensive car. Now, sometimes you're paying for that expensive car and you barely can, but it is giving evidence of financial stability, which is what is attractive to women. You know how women like a man in uniform? Because that means he's got a J-O-B. He's got a job that he's showing up for on a day-in and day-out basis. If he can show up and he can be a cop, if he can show up and he can be a soldier, then he can probably be reliable for me. He's not trying to bartend. He's not showing up to play in a band with his friends making $48 a week. All right? So those things are attractive. You need, if you want to get this girl back, the best thing you can do is get your financial house in order. And prove to her that you can give her the life that she wants, which is something that she's concerned about with you. I would bet almost 100% right now. Okay, we're going to continue to take your calls. Very favorable phone call there in terms of actually being able to hear it. I'm somewhat optimistic right now. 877-996-6369. This is Outkick the Coverage. Anonymous mailbag on Wednesday as we do every Wednesday. I'm going to make your life better because I am the King Solomon of radio and the King Solomon of the internet, you give me a problem, yo, I'll solve it. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
6: Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in
8: Kentucky. They're saying, cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that.
6: Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins.
8: I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs>
2: welcome back geico outkick studios we are in the middle of the anonymous mailbag if you read outkick you know i've been doing the anonymous mailbag for years giving you advice to try to solve your problems in life we brought it to radio how long we've been doing this on the radio danny g Uh,
4: i want to say two years two and a half years something like
2: that a little while uh so i'm solving all your problems and we got the next caller up assuming i can hear him her, I can actually solve the problems. That is Dub. Where are we going?
5: Well, last week we went over to Tokyo and had good connection, so let's try Korea today.
2: Korea. All right, this is good. International solving problems now. All right, I'm sure this will go well. Korea. What have you got for us? All
11: right. So, all right, all right, I'll, I'll get to the I'll get to the actual point here real quick at the end. But here's the, basically the thing: is me and my girlfriend like we semi broke up. She's just really immature, can't control her emotions. That can kind of that kind of thing. But here's here's the issue. Uh, So I bought her tickets to a concert she went to last weekend. And, you know, we're still semi-together, but she told me she was going to this concert with her sister, her sister's boyfriend. Well, her sister's boyfriend, or her sister posts a Snapchat and accidentally sends a video of her with this other dude at the concert. And she swears to me. She brought this guy last second. He's just a friend. That's why she didn't say anything. But... And I, I don't know what to think of that, but here's my main issue. is a moral dilemma at the end. I bought her tickets to another concert for Valentine's Day, but I haven't given her the actual tickets yet. And I don't know if I would be out of line to just not give her the tickets now because they were a gift or if I should still give them to her to be morally correct here.
2: All right, so we got I a couple of things. I need to, to ask you a, a couple of questions here. First of all, what concert did she go okay. to? Who was the concert?
11: It was... Uh, last weekend or yeah. the when I bought the tickets to well, I want both uh, last but weekend la- to
2: Chris Young Chris Young Chris Young is in Korea yeah. no
11: no I'm in I'm in Korea I bought her tickets to the concert right. so we
2: need to we need to take a step back I was like man I didn't know Chris Young had a huge Korean fan base uh all right so why are you in Korea <laughs> right now no uh, military you're in military so you are having over like a legit overseas relationship is she back in the United States how long are you in Korea? A year. And, okay, so I mean, and how long have you been dating this girl to begin with?
11: About eight months.
2: Okay, so you this has been primarily a long-distance relationship? Yes, correct. All right, so uh, so I don't bl- so first of all, I don't believe her that the guy that she went to the concert that you bought her tickets for, for Chris Young, uh, was just a friend. Because I think if she is any kind of normal girl, she could have found a girlfriend to go with her who was just a friend. Now, she may consider this guy to be just a friend. Let me tell you this right now. There is no man on earth who considers an attractive girl to be just his friend. All right, The number of guys who have been just friends with girls that they've ended up hooking up with is off the charts. So she may consider him to be just a friend. He's trying to hook up with her. Guys don't go to Chris Young concerts with girls that they're just friends with unless they're gay. So if the guy is gay, I'll give you the just a friend. If he is straight, he was hoping to hook up with her after the Chris Young concert 1 billion percent. All right. So if she is just going with him as a friend, I don't buy it. I think she has girlfriends. It's a Chris Young concert, country music concert for people who don't know out there. They could have a good time. They would be living it up uh they could you know flirt with boys if they wanted to but that's the kind of concert you go to and have a good time at um so I don't buy that this guy is just a friend so I think she's lying to you about that as a result who's the con- who are the concert tickets for that you bought her for Valentine's Day who were those for Luke Bryan and Cole Wendell. all right so another really good fun concert uh I would uh I would give them to somebody else honestly and that may be controversial Uh, First of all, thanks for the service, by the way. Thanks for calling over from Korea. You're in a long-distance relationship. And so if you – the the most difficult relationship to be in is long-distance because it's all predicated on trust, even more than most relationships because you don't get to see each other daily, weekly, even monthly. You're overseas like 12-hour different time zone than her. You're having to watch Snapchats to see what she's doing in her free time. I think you tell her, hey, like I can't trust you. Uh, Based on what I saw, you didn't tell me that you were going with a guy to a concert. You took tickets that I gave you and took another dude to that concert. It's incredibly disrespectful to me and to our relationship, and you weren't honest with me. So as a result, I'm not going to give you the tickets. I'm giving them to, you know, you got a sister. You got uh, another friend of yours. I'm sure you could sell them probably pretty easy. I mean, that's a popular concert, the Luke Bryan concert. Uh, I would I would pull him from her, and, uh, and, and I would be like, look, when I get back stateside, we can talk about this, but right now I can't trust you, and I don't feel like we're in a committed relationship because you're taking other guys to concerts that I gave you tickets for. More of the anonymous mailbag. I'll get to the callers who are waiting. 877-996-6369 when we come back. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Live from the Geico OutKick studios. Uh, Appreciate all of you uh, on our 300-plus AM FM stations. More coming soon. That's what you call a tease in the biz. And uh, satellite radio, 218 on Sirius, 202 on XM. Uh, As well as many of you, uh, millions of you on the podcast nowadays. I can't keep track of all that. As well as iHeartRadio. And Fox Sports Radio. There's so many ways to listen to this show. Hope you can find them. Hope you're enjoying. And we are in the middle right now of the Anonymous Mailbag. For those of you waking up on the West Coast, St. Louis Blues advanced to their first Stanley Cup final since 1970. And uh, the Toronto Raptors get a big win in Game 4 over the uh, over the Milwaukee Bucks. Dominant win for the Raptors. Now a three-game playoff to see who's going to advance to play the Golden State Warriors. But we are in the middle of of the uh, anonymous mailbag we got a couple of callers left and want to hit them give you advice to make your life better who's up next
5: we got Seattle up next
2: Seattle what do you got for me Uh, what I mean I thought we had some decent I mean I don't know how we can talk to Korea and Japan like we have in the last couple of uh, anonymous mailbags and we can't talk to Seattle Washington how is that technologically uh, impossible? Is Seattle there, Teddy? Uh, Teddy, is Seattle there? No,
12: well, uh, is it d- impossible to speak to Seattle a lot
2: Because
12: I swear I'm speaking right now.
2: All right, you just go. You just talk. I'm not going to ask any questions. Just go.
11: I do you just Like, who is... Um,
2: I have no uh, idea the what he's saying.
11: That thinks,
2: you know, the I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't even understand. Like, how is this possible? <laughs> how is it possible that in 2019 a phone could sound like that? Like, I don't. Does he got a Cricket phone? Has he got a? Uh, does he have the Zach Morris cell phone that he's still rocking around? The big like brick style cell phone? Sounds like he's like underwater. Yeah. How is it possible that we can talk flawlessly to Korea and Japan? and we can't talk to my man in Seattle
5: he's just not far enough west
2: Seattle is a yeah I guess so Seattle is a pretty technologically advanced city right that's Amazon's hometown you would think that Seattle would have some decent cell phone reception but yet here we are uh all right so uh I don't could you understand anything that he was saying dub is it is not just me right
5: yeah, I had a bit of trouble understanding our man there in Seattle. A
2: bit of trouble. I have no idea. I mean, it sounds like he's at the, at the Titanic. Like he's calling from down, you know, on the grand staircase of the Titanic, 4,000 feet beyond uh, beneath sea level. All right, so where are we going to close out? This is a great start for hour three. People just waking up. They're like, uh, this guy sounds like he's calling from uh, from the, you know, the the uh, the underground, what's it called now? I've already forgotten. I was watching a Stranger Things ad this morning early uh stranger things three is coming out on july 4th uh the upside down sound like my man was calling from the upside down right there if you're a stranger things fan all right what we got next
5: all right let's wrap things up with colorado
2: colorado what's going on Cliff? i'm doing well what's the problem for you colorado um so
13: i've been married for 18 years and um we moved to colorado from california about four years ago and i uh, started having a heavy drinking problem Yep, and um i actually went to rehab about a year and a half ago and it didn't stick and um back with you know i'm i never left my wife we haven't got divorced but um lately things have
2: been getting really bad and okay so let me stop let me stop you here so do you have kids i have four kids how old are the kids
13: uh, they're buried. I have two high school kids, a middle school kid, and an elementary school. All right. So,
2: what happened four years ago? Was it the move that precipitated your your drinking more? You said you moved from California. What was you know, for lack of a better term, the triggering factor that suddenly made your drinking get worse?
13: Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I always I always drank, but. I mean, maybe it was leaving California.
2: Do you have a job? Yes, I do. Okay, so what's your job? Like normal nine to five-ish hours? What's your normal work day?
13: Um, I work. Uh, I'm about to start right now, 6 to
2: 2.30. Yep. Uh, so early morning, 6 to 2.30. And uh, do you drink before 2.30 or when you finish work, you start drinking?
13: See, I when I used to drink, because I mean, I... I mean, I always have drink, I would drink like um after work, but late, lately I've started to drink during the day like once the liquor store opens. You know, I'll,
2: so you'll I'll drink get wa- you'll drink while you're at work. Yes. What do you drink? Like vodka? How do you not get like how does your alcohol uh, drinking not get noticed? Just beer. Just I mean, but beer like you can tell if somebody has been drinking beer. So do your uh, superiors at work not know that you're drinking?
13: Uh, they haven't said anything. I mean, my work production's gone down, but yeah.
2: But I mean, that's kind of t- like what, what I mean, I'm not asking specifically for your job, but most people, if they pop a beer at work and they start drinking, like it would be noticeable for most jobs if you were drinking alcohol on the job, unless, like I said, you're sneaking vodka because it doesn't really have much of a taste. Uh, but most people, you can smell alcohol on their breath, beer in particular. So you you don't think at work it hasn't been noticed?
10: Um,
13: it, it might have been noticed, but I've been with my company for 20 years, so.
2: Right, I understand, but I mean that's it. That's that's kind of wild because most people, even if they would like to drink at work, would think I will get fired if I drink at work. So that that's kind of I mean what I'm getting at here is it's not helping you in any way that you don't have fear of being caught drinking at work. Because if you did, at least in theory, if you wanted to keep your job, like if your boss came to you and said, if I see you drinking another beer at work, I will fire you. Could you not drink a beer at work? Would you stop?
13: I would hope so, but but I have told my wife that I'm going quit, to quit drinking too, and I haven't done it.
2: Yeah, and I understand that on some level, but you know, um, you know, you've been with your wife for 18 years, you may feel differently like a kid who, who acts up at home versus acting up at school, the consequences for home versus away. Okay, so you went to rehab. How long were you in rehab?
13: Uh, only 16 days.
2: 16 days, and did that have any positive impact on you at all? I thought it did at the time. But it didn't? It didn't. Uh, and what do you drink when you get home? What do you mean what do I, drink? I mean you drink liquor do you drink beer like what's your what do uh, you drink what are you drinking when you get when you when you're say you're you're drinking all the time what is your drink of choice
13: I only drink beer
2: You only drink beer so how many beers would you drink in a day
13: I drink high um,
2: alcohol content
13: liquor so I mean I guess it, I don't drink a 12 pack but it comes out to a
2: 12 pack Okay, so you're drinking like a twelve a twelve pack every single day. Yeah, uh, and you're drinking at home. Your kids, like, I mean, it's impossible to drink twelve beers and not have your kids see it. Like, you're just sitting watching television. What are you doing while you're drinking?
13: Uh, watching television? television. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean,
2: my but obviously, my if you're drinking place. twelve beers, you know, and it's again, it's high high alcohol content beer than uh, a day, you're not driving very much, or hopefully you're not. It's not like you're helping that much with raising the kids in the afternoon, right?
13: I'm there with them, but my relationship with my kids has gone bad because they know I'm drinking.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, thanks for the call. Look, I... I You've you've been to rehab and you have issues. Twelve the equivalent of twelve beers. If he's kind of factoring in high alcohol content beers, drinking at work. I mean, this is a major major issues. And I I don't know what kind of job you have, and I don't want to get specific because it's anonymous, right? I don't want to be like, hey, you work at X, but I just I find it hard to believe that there's very many places where you can drink beer on the job at hours from 6.30 to 2.30 and nobody says anything. I mean, that's pretty wild. Uh, And that's not helping things because it means that you're starting early in the day and then continuing throughout the day. Um, You went to rehab for 16 days. I mean, your wife and your kids have to be being, uh, being totally driven insane by this the ideal thing is obviously you just stop drinking and there are a lot of people out there who've probably had alcohol issues in their life and I understand it's frustrating that you may look around and some people can drink alcohol and it cannot impact their lives that's not you so the first thing you have to acknowledge is you really shouldn't be drinking alcohol at all And you probably should be in rehab for longer, 16 days. Obviously, you're acknowledging that you have a problem if you went there, but you're not acknowledging that you have a problem enough that's severe to stop. But a a 12-pack a day is a lot of beer, man. And my advice would be, first of all, you got to stop drinking at work because sooner or later you're going to get fired if you're drinking at work. Because why in the world would you employ someone who is drinking at work? And if you could stop drinking at work, you said you thought maybe if you were told you would get fired if you drank at work, that means you have at least enough control to do that. Then it knocks you out of drinking at least until 2.30 or 3 when you get home. And then I would say, can you just work on getting down to 6? Six? 6 is still a lot. I mean, Drinking a sick pack every single day is still a lot of alcohol to be drinking, but it would knock 50% of the alcohol that you're consuming out in uh, a day. It's like if you need to lose 40 pounds, the way to think is not, I've got to lose 40 pounds. It's can I lose five? And then if you lose five, can I lose five more? You try to piecemeal break it down and get to your goal. And so to me... The first step that could be helpful here is stop drinking at work. And if you can stop drinking at work, you can then continue to break down your decision making and hopefully get better. You need to get better for your wife. You need to get better for your kids. You need to do a better job of parenting, better job of being a husband, better job of being a worker. And alcohol is keeping you from doing that. And Honestly, you need to stop drinking, period. And obviously, you know you have a problem, you call on this show, you've been to rehab. That's the first sign that you have an issue, is being willing to acknowledge it. Then the next step is being willing to address it in a way that leads to positive results for your family and your life. So best of luck, stop at work would be my best advice. I almost wish I knew somebody at your work who could be like, you need somebody laying on you at work to be like, hey, we're going to fire you if you drink here. It's way too lenient of a work experience if you're drinking on the job to begin with. Uh, This is Outkick, Anonymous Mailbag. We try to solve all your problems. Uh, As we go to break, we'll come back. We'll dive back into what we saw happen last night with Game 5 sorry, game four between the Raptors and the Bucks. The Raptors punch back, get back even at two games apiece. We also uh, will go and celebrate a little bit with people from St. Louis as they are advancing to their first Stanley Cup final since 1970, been 49 years since the St. Louis Blues have been in this position. And uh, we're going to update our request. I tried to get Jeannie Buss on the show We have officially requested an interview with Jeannie Buss because I feel like we owe it to Laker fans out there. What has been the Laker response? We will update you on that. All that's still to come. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. The Lakers are a dumpster fire. We all know this. I apologize to everybody waking up on the West Coast in L.A. right now. You got in your car, you turned on your radio, you're driving to work, and you're like, oh, man, I got to hear Clay Travis talk about the dumpster fire that is the Lakers. I'm not trying to make your morning awful. Magic Johnson's already done that. Rob Polinka's already done that. LeBron James has already done that. Jeannie Buss has already done that
4: all conspired calm down.
2: together take it easy
4: man calm down over there
2: <laughs> to make you guys miserable already but I'm thinking this myself you know I don't like we just played and we'll play again for you Aaron Rodgers talking about Game of Thrones right and I listened to Aaron Rodgers talk about Game of Thrones and I'm like you know what I would love to have Aaron Rodgers on this to on this radio show and we would not talk about sports at all Because his answer to the Game of Thrones question was so good. I'm like, you know, I think he'd actually be fun to talk to. Relax. Because he has – there you go. He has opinions from outside the world of sports. And If you haven't heard that, we'll play it for you to finish off the show again because I think it was really good. But yesterday we were talking with Petros Papadakis about the – who's on AM570 LA Sports in the afternoon about the mess that is the Lakers uh, franchise. And he was talking about Jeannie Buss and we hear all about Linda Rambus and everything else. I'm thinking to myself – I don't know how early Jeannie Buss gets up in the morning. But if she gets up early in the morning, maybe she's an early riser like Petros, maybe she's out doing yoga. I don't know where she lives, but my bet would be South Bay. My, Do we know where Jeannie Buss lives? If I had to bet, I would say Jeannie Buss lives somewhere in the South Bay of Los Angeles.
4: Pacific Palisades, probably.
2: Somewhere, maybe so. Maybe so. It wouldn't shock me if she's a Manhattan beach Um, But I don't know. I don't know for sure where she spends all her time. But let's say she's up early, she's beating traffic, she's going to yoga, she's enjoying the sun coming up uh, and, uh, and staring out over the Pacific Ocean, cup of coffee listening to us right now. I'd love to have her on the show. I don't know that we've ever requested an owner before to come on the show. I would love to have a conversation with her. We would even tape if she were willing to come on the show because I think we would be fair. First of all, I think that and this is not going to shock you, but I think I am the fairest person in all of media, at least sports media. Even if you 100 billion percent disagree with me on everything, I will have you on the show. People got mad at me because we've had Michael Avenatti on the show twice now to talk about this Nike paying player scandal. I disagree with a lot of what he said from a political perspective, right? Lots of it. But I would give everybody, you don't have to agree with me, to to be able to come on my show. I will give everybody a forum if I think you're going to be honest with us, and I will be completely fair with you. Like, I'll give this, I'll, I'll make this invite too. I just tweeted, some of you follow me on Twitter, at Clay Travis, I do a daily Periscope and Facebook show. Try to. Sometimes I don't while I'm traveling. Sometimes there's not great stories during the summer. But I did the show yesterday, and I can go in on Periscope And see who watched the show if I follow you on Twitter. It's one of the cool little uh, things that's set up. So I can go see, like Danny G, if you watch the show, I can see that you watch the show because I follow you. And so it'll show me first when I look at like how many people watch my show, it'll show me first like if I follow you, the checkmarked people that I follow. And so uh, I can see. And, And there's a lot of people in media who watch my show on a regular basis. So, you're going to love this. I just like 40 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, something like that during one of our commercial breaks, went in to check and see who had watched yesterday's show. Guess who watched yesterday's show? Jamel Hill. Jamel Hill used to be on the 6 p.m. Sports Center, got fired from ESPN. I think she's living out in Los Angeles now, doing entertainment-related stuff. She blocked me on Twitter. We used to have a good relationship. I actually considered her to be a sports media friend Then she got mad at me because I disagreed with her when she called President Trump a white supremacist and I was like, that's a ridiculous opinion to have. You can rip Trump for a lot of things. I don't think he's a white supremacist. People can disagree. She thinks he's a white supremacist. I just said, love to have Jamel Hill on. Would 100% welcome Jamel Hill on the show. She can make her case for why she thinks Donald Trump's a white supremacist and why she thinks I'm wrong about a variety of different issues in the world of sports and the intersection of sports and culture and politics. That's her right. I'm a First Amendment absolutist. As I said on CNN, I believe in two things absolutely. The First Amendment and boobs. That's it. You can come on. We got all sorts of different opinions. Great thing. My mom taught me at a young age, opinions are like butts. Everybody's got one. So it doesn't really get me upset when people disagree with me. Now, I think I'm right. I think about uh, before I make an argument... I think about both sides of a debate. I'll think through it in my head. I'm I'm a lawyer, right? Um, now, good thing about a lawyer was back in the day, you pay me enough money, I'll argue anything. Now, I just get to argue what I actually believe in. It's a great gig that I've got. But I'm open to anybody, whether they like me, whether they dislike me. I mean, Danny G, I'll ask you this. Has there ever been a guest that I have said, no, we will not book that person because I dislike him. Now there's lots of guests, I'll be like, "Eh, I don't think he's going to be that interesting. I don't think she's going to be that interesting. I don't want to put her on. We don't have that many guests in general." But in your entire time working on this show, has there ever been anybody who who I said, "No, we can't have them on because I disagree with them about something?"
4: No, you are absolutely a guest tour. You would have any guest as long as they would move the needle.
2: As long as I think it would be good radio, yeah. as long as I think you would be a good guest. Jamel used to come on my radio show back when I did local radio she was a great guest she's smart it's opinionated it's what you need a guest disagreeing is not a bad thing do I ever say by and large on dub you field the calls do I ever say no we can't go to that I I don't even know who the callers are before we go to them
5: yeah there are no restrictions on the callers
2: like I, I and in fact when I say who's up next I legitimately have no idea. Like, I don't even see the list of callers in advance. I don't see where they're from. I don't see what they want to say. The thing that drives me insane is whether or not the call is is, is audible, not what somebody says on the calls. And we just field the calls. We got 10 lines. We just – you field the calls. I mean, you're not screening. Like, you field the calls as they come in, right?
5: Yeah, everyone's welcome. All opinion's welcome, and we'll get you on.
2: So we don't discriminate based on opinion here. Um, and so – the Bus uh situation. We have invited Jeannie Bus on the show to come on because I do think this is important. I do, like Magic Johnson went on ESPN two days ago now, I guess it was, right? And just teed off on the Lakers franchise. And I think ultimately the buck stops with the owner. I think Jeannie Bus needs to talk. And I understand her perspective of, well, free agency's coming up. What's ultimately going to matter with the Lakers is not what I say. It's what we do in free agency. If we trade for Anthony Davis or if somehow we were able to sign Kawhi Leonard or, God forbid, if Kevin Durant suddenly made the decision to join the Lakers, then nobody would care about any of the controversy surrounding Magic Johnson. Nobody would care about who our GM was. Nobody would care about how bad year one of LeBron was and how messy it was in terms of LeBron kind of basically, kind of basically, not kind of basically, LeBron throwing everybody on the Lakers under the bus at the moment that Anthony Davis potentially he thought was available. All of those things would disappear if the Lakers got a great free agent, at least for the moment, and nobody would talk negatively about Jeannie Bus. But I think as the owner, you have an obligation at some point in time to reach out and talk to your audience. We have a massive audience in the city of Los Angeles, even though we're on early in the morning. We were, and the most recent ratings that I saw, one of the 10 biggest radio shows in LA in our time slot. That's a pretty big deal for a sports talk show to be able to reach in a city as big and large and uh, and 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 vibrant as the city of Los Angeles,
4: that's because all the hustlers are already on the freeway here at 3 a.m. in the morning. That's all. right,
2: because you have to beat traffic. Yeah. It's it's certainly starting to get jam packed at 5 a.m. for everybody out there, and obviously a lot of people in L.A. W- waking up to keep up with the East Coast and everything else. So we have put in an official request for Genie Bus with the Lakers PR department. Uh Danny G you officially did this yesterday, right?
4: Yeah, early yesterday afternoon I sent an official Genie Bus interview request to the senior director of public relations for the LA Lakers.
2: And we have received so far no response.
4: Crickets and tumbleweeds so far. What
2: do you think the chances are that Genie Bus agrees to? And again, I'm saying I understand it's early in the morning in Los Angeles. So I did you say we're happy to tape as well as have her on live?
4: I definitely did. I said, if Jeannie's an early riser, we have West Coast guests on at 5.30 a.m. Or we could tape later in the morning and play the interview the following day.
2: At any point in time, yep. Jeannie Buss wants to come on the show. We will make it happen. We will record with her and uh, and and go on with it the next day. Or if she's an early riser or she happens to be on the East Coast for some reason and wants to come on. Is there agreement on the show uh, among the Laker fan base, which is you and Roberto, that it would be good for Jeannie Bus to address the Laker fans?
4: Yeah. yeah. One, one of the things that I liked on uh, one of the FS1 shows yesterday, there were comments um, that she should have got out in front of that press conference when they were introducing Frank Vogel. Yeah, Not only was LeBron hanging in the background – but where was Jeannie at? Yeah, if she I'm, was nowhere to be found. Yeah, if I'm the owner, the first thing that happens is I sit there and I set the tone for things. I, I say, look, this is what's going on. It's not what you're hearing. We're going to get this right, and we're going to introduce the new coach right now. Set a precedent for what you want the organization to represent and be. Otherwise, you let everybody else write that narrative.
2: Yeah, exactly. Now, in her defense – Sometimes people are uncomfortable in a press conference setting because you're sitting there, there's 40 cameras on you, there's a ton of different media people. It's hard to manage the questions. You don't know what's going to be said from one moment to the next. You don't know how that's going to go. I understand why that would be, for some people, not an ideal way to communicate, which is why I'm saying you can come on the show. I'm not like sometimes I'll make uh, you know like hyperbolic statements. I think that if you have a case that you want to make, there are very few people in sports media better to make a case with than me because I'll sit down and let you talk. Right? I will ask smart questions. I'm not going to be browbeating you and trying to make a point about. I've got three hours every day where I can share my opinion. To me, when a guest comes on, by and large, unless it's a regular guest and obviously we know each other. My goal is to let you tell your uh, side of the story, and I think I would do it in a a very fair fashion. Do you guys agree with that? I mean, has there been anybody on as a guest that you think I've been unfair to in four years of doing this show?
4: No, you've only been hung up on twice, and I don't think either time it was your fault.
2: Who were the two? It was the Colorado football coach?
4: (laughs) Yeah, that was one. Who was – God, who's the second? I'm I
2: can't remember who the other one was, but he hung up. I think we only got hung up on once.
4: I thought it happened twice.
2: I, th- I think we've only been hung up on once. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, he hung up on me. Because yeah, Maybe the
4: second time I was wishing they hung up on you. Yeah, well, that might be the case. <laughs> but yeah, definitely that. I mean, that was that coach being way super sensitive.
2: Yeah, and he got fired by Colorado. And I, to me, that was evidence that he wasn't ready for primetime. But I was just asking him about whether or not he was, uh, that was McIntyre, right? Um, wasn't yeah, that, uh, yeah, correct. Mike McIntyre or whatever his name was. Yep. Uh, that uh, that was me asking him whether or not he had been, ex- you know, like had other coaching opportunities, whether people had tried to hire him, which is honestly a question that is so easy for coaches to handle. And do you not expect for that question to be asked when you come on a national radio show? Like, I I it, just, I, that, that was really surprising back in the day.
4: You know, it's painless. I think what's happened is the, the ones out there that haven't listened to you enough on the radio maybe have just heard something about you, and that goes for agents of athletes as well because we've had a couple of athletes in the past where they were worried about coming on because their agent heard this and that about you might press some hot button topics well, politically. Well, I'm going to
2: ask. I mean, look, if- the, Right, right, me, right. But what I mean, never, what I mean is never you've never attacked
4: a, a guest. They think you're going to attack their, right. their their. But athlete. Some,
2: some shows will say like, oh, we won't ask you about X or Y, right? Like if you come on the show, like, oh, I won't ask. I don't remember ever agreeing to preconditions on any interview that we've done where we've been like, hey- All everybody cares about is this story, and okay, we won't ask you about that story. Like, if you're going to come on the show, I'm going to ask you about the things that people would want you to be asked about. I'm not going to agree to preconditions. Uh, I mean, this is not like the nuclear peace accord uh, negotiations. Like, if you come on, I'll ask you whatever questions I think. That myself and the audience want to hear. So, what do you guys think is going to be the genie bus response? Do you think the Lakers will respond at all? What odds would you give on her coming on the show?
6: I'll say zero. Zero.
2: Wow. Yeah,
4: she just likes to hide right now. She's she's, she's guarded, too guarded yeah, yeah. right
2: yeah, now. Yes, so I like. will say this. Sometimes people, as the show has grown. There are a lot of people out there in the sports universe who listen to this show that you might be surprised by, or, or read out kick or whatever else that have become big fans. So I will say there are people listening right now that you'd be like, "Oh, I can't believe that person is listening," and that they might be in a prominent role. And if they had to make a choice about who to talk to, they might pick us because they actually like the show. But if you listen to the show, that's where you kind of get the sense of how how things are going. So you say 0% chance. You think the Lakers will come back and Jeannie Bus will say, no, won't do the show. Uh, what about you, Danny G?
4: I don't want to say 0% chance. I mean, I think we'll hear back from them and they'll probably decline. That's what that's what I'm guessing.
2: So what percent that she'll come
4: on? I would say 7% 7%. Chance.
2: All right, what about you, Dub? What percent chance that Jeannie Bus will come on? Does everybody agree that it would be good for her to come on the show?
5: Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I think it'd be – Totally positive. And as as far as the odds go, I'm gonna set the odds at one hundred and fifty to one.
2: That she will say no.
5: No, that she will come on.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean the yeah. odds are she's not gonna come on. Oh, yeah. It's like less than one percent. I think that's fair. Yeah. Eddie, would you be stunned if she comes on?
3: I would be very surprised. I wouldn't but be stunned, but very surprised. Do
2: yes. you agree that it probably would be good for her to come on the show?
3: I think it would be good for her to get her uh her side of things out there. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. All right, when we come back, Aaron Rodgers made his most substantive statement in the history of locker room talk. What did he say? The answer may surprise you. It's going to make your day. I think. I think it will. We're going to play it for you, and we'll talk about the Raptors' big win over the Bucks. what's going to happen as we head back to Milwaukee for Game 5, and who do the Warriors want to play, all that and more. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
2: Bringing us back to close out the Wednesday edition of Outkick, the coverage. Thanks for hanging out with us here in the Geico Outkick studios. Huge win for the Raptors last night. Huge win for Canada. Unfortunately, a huge win for Rachel Bonetta on Lock It In, and I am not looking forward to the experience of having to go into the show this afternoon with Benetta able to gloat over how much money I lost because I listened to all you knuckleheads and took the Bucks as well. I thought the Bucks were going to take care of the Raptors last night, and I bet Benetta comes in in a Canadian flag. I think it's going to be way over the top today on Lock It In. 430 Eastern, 330 Central, 230 Mountain, 130 Pacific. It's going to be ugly.
4: At least you have the crown.
2: I do have the crown for a little while at least. It's my last show for a while. I'm taking off next week. We're off I'm taking off Friday, headed into the, the 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 I'm going down to the beach. Uh taking off Friday from the radio show. Jason Martin and Jeff Shorts will be in. And then I'm taking off Memorial Day like a lot of people. And I'm taking off Tuesday and Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week on the TV show. So, this is the last time
4: and they're already torturing you on the TV show about how many days you've taken off.
2: Yeah, here's the deal. In my contract, we I, I don't know what they get, but I get a month off of TV, right? And I have taken so far, I've missed six TV days.
4: They claim eight on the show.
2: Yeah, okay, yeah, it's eight TV days. I've missed like <laughs> five radio shows. Every time I miss a radio show, you would think that I'm never on this show. Like I wake up the next morning, people are like, why aren't you working? I get a month off, I get 20 days of radio off not counting like Christmas and you know Thanksgiving and stuff like that and so far this year I think I've missed four or five on radio and we're almost to the end of May and every time it happens I wake up and check my mentions and people are like why are you such a slacker why are you taking off I need more vacation (laughs) I I, I, like I'm gonna end up missing I get 20 days on TV and in the first year I'm gonna miss 12 I'm gonna have eight vacation days that I never use
4: This is one of the hardest businesses in the world to take time away from. It throws off hundreds of thousands of people's routines, and that's why it's bad for radio guys to have days off.
2: But we got, like, Stern makes $100 million a year. Oh,
4: He could do whatever the hell he wants. And he only
2: works three days a week now. I know. He's only on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I'm fine. Look, I've said before, we could just run best of so you only hear my voice. Boring. But Jason Martin used to be the producer on the show, so I like to give him the opportunity to guest host the show. But I need time to get away. I mean, you know how much I love getting in bed and knowing my alarm's not going to go off the next morning at four-something in the morning? Oh, it's amazing, especially when it's this time of year and I'm staying up super late watching these games every night. I'm excited that the Warriors got to sweep just so I don't have to stay up till midnight to watch them play game five which would ordinarily have been played tonight. I'm actually looking forward to being able to go to bed by 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, normal night. But I uh, heard this audio earlier, absolutely loved it. Aaron Rodgers in uh, the uh, Packer locker room was asked his thoughts. Remember, Aaron Rodgers was a extra in episode five of season eight of Game of Thrones. He's a huge Game of Thrones fan. Other than when Aaron Rodgers spelled out, relax. He never really has said anything interesting to the media in his entire career. Well, that all changed when he got fired up and passionate and he was asked yesterday what he thought about the Game of Thrones series finale. Listen to this. Are
5: you satisfied with the ending?
9: No. <laughs> I love the show, and I, and it was a great 10 years, but uh, but no, I mean... He come down to the end, and Tyrion says, "The person with the best story is Bran, <laughs> who, by the way, three episodes ago said he wasn't Bran Stark anymore." No, Jon had a better story. Danny had a better story. Arya had a better story. Sansa had a better story. Tyrion had a better story. Varys had a better story. Braun, a lot better story. Jamie, better story. Cersei, probably better stories. Any Baratheon, better story.
1: So, who should have been on the throne?
9: I mean, I think, I think Danny should have been on the throne. Here's the thing, though. Here's my th- here's my last <laughs> theory about it. If Bran, the three-eyed Raven, who, who's you know all about the health of the realm, let's think about what he did. He basically wanted the throne the whole time because he's the one that told the Starks, knowing that Sansa would tell Tyrion. Knowing that Tyrion would talk to Varys, knowing they'd scheme for Danny's death, knowing that would piss her off, which led her to be the mad queen. So he, the entire time, kind of set this whole thing up. And at the end, he goes, Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be king. Oh, but why did I travel all this way to be here? No. Look, I, l- I love the opportunity to be in the show, which most people probably don't think I was, but I was there. I love the show. But, uh, you know, the writers are also doing Star Wars, so I think they might have been a little busy this last season. <laughs>
2: That's Aaron Rodgers, and tell me that even if you hate the Packers, there are Bear fans right now, there are Viking fans right now, Detroit Lion fans right now, who have all been totally destroyed by Aaron Rodgers on the football field that are uncomfortable with the fact that they're nodding their head and saying, you know what, he ain't my quarterback, but I sure do damn agree with him right now. And I love that. I want Aaron Rodgers on talking Game of Thrones. Open invite to him as well. This has been Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.